Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast for anyone's in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug to join Andrews. We discussed this month's view from the turnbuckle. So, Aaron, we got to talk about it. We have a couple contracts that were expired, and they weren't picked up. One being Cesaro and Kushida. Um, what are your thoughts on both those not getting picked back up? Yeah, so we, we talked a little bit about uh, Cesaro the last time that we uh, spoke, but Kushida is a, a brand new one, and you know that one just kind of quietly went away, and it looks like Kushida is actually going to be going back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. So it, you know, we're going to talk in a little bit about what that could mean for the other side of the fence and if he would be potentially going to a, another brand. But I think Kushida, you look, he did what he needed to do in NXT. He was never going to get called to the main roster, so I think that this is smart for him to like get some experience on, in America and then go back to go back home or do you think he's just gonna wait till uh after the uh forbidden door show um but yeah this is a surprise to me i mean have you heard also the conspiracy theory about cesaro being a cameraman anyone so i did hear that one so yes. suppose so there's this guy who looks like who's built like cesaro i don't think it's him but if it is that's this is a, a really weird thing they're doing but there's a cameraman who they keep showing who looks very similar to his build and his height, and he always has a mask on, so you can never see, you know, his eyes or anything. But oh well. So, um, Doug, uh, what do you think about the fact that, uh, you know, like both those contracts were just they just kind of let it happen? I'm not surprised about Kushida, just knowing uh, he was a Triple H person. Triple H was big on bringing him in and everything like that. So, along with everybody else that was a Triple H person, mm, yep, they're gone. Um, but again, not surprising. He's not the biggest of people. Uh, you know, he is a, he's a name among independents in Japan wrestling. Uh, so it'll be exciting if he goes back to new Japan and, uh, whatever door may open for him there. Uh, Cesaro, I think is absolutely hilarious. in the fact that, uh, of all the people to grab the brass ring, uh, you would think Cesaro would have done that, you know, time after time after time. Uh, he is somebody that has also uh, reinvented himself, I feel like, uh, several times under under Vince's, hey, we need to change this up. And so he'll change up a little bit, become a tag team wrestler, become this. He's always been that utility knife kind of person to fit whatever role they needed. And now all of a sudden they let him go. Uh, I'll be excited to see where he goes. He's an excellent talent of wrestling. And I, I'm kind of curious. I haven't looked into it too much, but I think there's something between him and Miro uh in a i don't know if it was a they don't like each other in real life or whatnot but i do know that i think it was mirror that posted something like cesaro's too scared to come to AEW. i know they feuded in wwe before i don't know if there's any real life beef i really don't know that i've heard many people say bad things about cesaro but he's a very talented wrestler who's going to have a robust market uh in jpw uh aw ring of honor impact you know there's a lot of people where i think he could fill a great role he's an unbelievably talented wrestler the only weakness he's ever had was he's not a great speaker and there's ways to fix that you just <laughs> i would speak for him I, I that's an easy flaw to cover up so i'm um, excited to see what he does i hope he shows up in aw you know 
if that debut a couple of weeks ago had been Cesaro as opposed to the tall basketball player, much, much better. I would actually kind of really like to see him go to New Japan and just join up with uh, the United Empire. Oh, yeah. Or be in the G1. Yeah. And, uh, you know, let's let's talk about so there is some sad news that happened. Uh, we have we touched it a little bit, but Scott Hall passed away, unfortunately. Um, it was just under really weird circumstances. And you would think that that guy would have gone a different way. But it was a blood clot that took him of all things. So, Roger, I mean, what do you think? What are your thoughts about uh, Scott Hall is, you know, like especially in passing in his whole career? Yeah, I mean, we touched on uh, last week or last time we talked, uh, you know, Scott Hall is is one of the people I'm always going to associate with 90s wrestling. You know, he is he's while he's not Sean or Brett, he's that next tier. And his NWO invasion is one of the iconic moments in wrestling history. Razor Ramon. I mean, you know, the whole he dripped charisma. You know, I always knew Scott Hall would pass away. And unfortunately, I was always terrified it was going to be early because of drugs or his demons or whatnot. For it to have been the way that he did is sad. Um, wrestling lost an icon. And I, I don't know if he's necessarily the first, but it's one of those ones of I think we were a little bit more accustomed to the people in the 80s dying. You know, the Warriors, the Pipers, the Savage. Um, but now it's the 90s. You know, now you're starting to see uh, Razor Ramon is older. Kevin, you know, you know he's passed away. Diesel is older. Um, you know, all of those guys, the people that we grew up with, unfortunately, are hitting that age where it's really dangerous because a lot of them lived dangerous lives. So it's a shame. It, it's a real shame because Scott for all of the bad things you have to say about the click. And there are many things to be said. It was almost never really Scott Hall. Like he was one of the people, a lot of people had a good thing to say about other than this guy just has demons. What a redemption story. I mean, we, I'm just going to go the opposite of what uh, Roger said, even though he said everything correctly. It's just, what a story, what a life, what a, I mean, there's one person I would love to have sat down and just listened to stories from him. Uh, being able to hear some of the podcasts that he has done talking about stuff that he did in the past. And it's like, wow, I can't believe that there are people that did that and are still walking in amongst us. And uh, I'm very sad to, to hear him go. Um, but it really did feel like he had turned his life completely around and at least got some closure with his kids and, and even helped his kid get into wrestling uh, so it'll be interesting uh, where he goes and how he does, but uh, really happy for re a redemption story and uh, we will severely miss him and wish well for his family and friends. I think the thing that really sucks is, you know, I think to Roger's point, we're now seeing people that we really like grew up with, you know, like when Hogan passes, when Ric Flair passes, that's when it's like, whoa, that was my childhood this is like my teenage years, you know? So like to see Razor Ramon pass away and, you know, at some point in time, we'll see Waltman and we'll see Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and Kevin Nash. And that's going to suck because that's, that's your teenage years. And to have them go, it's like, you, you kind of like look at yourself, you're like, Oh crap, I'm getting older too. Like, you know, I saw like some of my heroes from my, my teenage years uh, happen. And like, I loved Razor Ramon. I thought he was great. I remember watching the uh, match with him in one, two, three kid live. That was one of those things that like, just kind of sticks out. I was like, holy crap, like that's insane. And I got out of wrestling for a long time. Somebody had mentioned it like, oh yeah, Razor Ramon and Diesel are there, but they're going by like these other names and they're with Hogan and he's a bad guy. And I like, I turned on wrestling again and I was just like, I was hooked. And ever since then, it was just like, all right, I guess, I guess I'm back. And part of that is because of Scott Hall and, you know, just the contributions, you know, there are so many to 
to even go over uh, in this short span. Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, it, it is sad that, you know, that he's no longer with us, but uh, I, I'm just glad he was able to turn his life around and it wasn't something dumb where he might have hurt someone else and said, Again, a blood clot. So, but um, something another something positive though. Samoa Joe is now the Ring of Honor and we'll say um, uh, all elite wrestling uh, ROH TV champion. So, um, which is impressive because I still remember when he had the belt originally back in the day. Um, but uh, Aaron, I, I'm just surprised. Do you think that this is smart to bring Samoa Joe onto AEW TV representing Ring of Honor? It's gonna be really interesting to see how they cross pollinate because I think they're going to try to keep them separate. They'll, they'll showcase ring of honor stars on AEW TV, but uh, I don't believe it to my knowledge that ring of honor has a TV deal right now. And so I wonder if they're going to have essentially a real brand split where it's not raw and SmackDown, you know, but it's under WWE. It's all elite wrestling ring of honor, two completely separate companies. And then maybe once a year, twice a year, they could do like an actual battle of the of the brands, which would be kind of cool. But uh, I, I Samojo, like, look, I would love him in AEW. That place is really crowded right now. If he's featured in Ring of Honor and he's like one of the older guys, but he's kind of featured and he can help some of that younger talent out. I think that'd be great. And I, I, I like him back in Ring of Honor. I think it'd be great to see him in Ring of Honor and be kind of that ultimate boss of Ring of Honor. Uh, I believe this, the TV championship, I'm trying to look it up now. This is actually his, it would be the, uh, the cycle for him for all ring of honor titles. Um, I don't think he ever held the TV title before. So now he has the X division title. He has the main title. Uh, I do even believe he has the tag team titles. Um, it was the pure title at the time. Pure title. Okay. Yep. Um, so, that, I mean, that's great for him, you know, nostalgia. It also brings back that that name for a Ring of Honor. Uh, they just inducted him into the Hall of Fame for Ring of Honor. So uh, having him go back to Ring of Honor and be the uh, the guy there, I think it would be excellent. Uh, but at the same time, being uh, kind of selfish, I really do want to see him in AEW and, and definitely thrive and, and battle for the championship there. I love Samoa Joe. You know, uh, no questions asked. I think he's a great addition to Ring of Honor, and I think he's going to be a good addition to AEW. It is a very crowded roster. I like Aaron's idea of you know you need to take some of those people who maybe aren't getting necessary TV time on Ring of Honor and let or on AEW and let them go to Ring of Honor. Lee Moriarty, um, Dante Martin. You know, there's a host of talented guys. Even Hook, someone who is getting a little bit featured, letting him be a top guy in Ring of Honor is a great way to build him. Like I said, when you know, I think in January we announced that they were kind of closing down. It should be be their NXT. It should be a separate brand where you're building stars from the future and you still use some of the names in the past. Guys like Jay Lethal, Samoa Joe, Punk can make an appearance. Brian Danielson can make an appearance, all stuff like that. It's a great use of Samoa Joe. You can also limit his matches because we know in the past few years he's had a couple injury issues. So, you know, his matches should be, he should be Ring of Honor's Brock Lesnar. He wrestles occasionally. And that's okay with that. That's fine because he's got that history. He's maybe the most dominant champion of all time. It's a great way to use Joe. And the pop that he got shows that people still love him. And he was fun. He was fun to see that match in AEW. And I was like, oh, yeah, I miss Joe. So I'm glad he's back. I love Joe. He's great. Yeah, um, for some reason, I got the pure title and the TV title mixed up. My bad. Um, but yeah, it is nice to see him uh, also finally get that the Triple Crown uh, for Ring of Honor. Um, so let's talk about some All Elite Wrestling, of course. Um, FT, FTR, um, is they're, they're starting to turn more as to the babyface role. Um, but uh, And also, they're putting out some great matches. So 
I guess, Roger, where do you think is where they're going to be going after this? Do you think they're going to kind of hang out with MJF still, or do you think they're going to do their own thing or maybe wrestle each other? Well, so I think the association with MJF will probably be done for the time being, mostly because they turned into more of what I'd call the Bret Hart babyface. They're not necessarily doing babyface things. They're just leaning into the fact that they love classic wrestling, and that's exactly who FTR is needs to be if you want them to be faces. They put on two of the best tag matches you're ever going to see with the Briscoes and the Young Bucks part two and to be quite honest the match that they had with the bucks on dynamite is the match that they should have had in the first place that match to me was way better than the one they did in pay-per-view a year and a half ago which was fine but it just was like they tried to pull out every single stop and make it the greatest match of all time as opposed to just letting them organically wrestle and oh look at that that's one of the greatest tag matches i've ever seen so i love what ftr is doing i like the idea of them going at it in the owen cup especially with punk on uh commentary i mean this is the bret hart appreciation match if i've ever seen one and i have no problem with that at all let ftr continue to go around the world and wrestle and prove that they're the best tag team in the world there are so many tag teams that i want to see them wrestle there's no reason it, you know i think they're wrestling the american wolves at some point great Keep doing it. Let them wrestle the Motor City Machine Guns. Let them go around and be that traveling tag team that says, if you think you got a great tag team, prove it. I'll put my best against your best and let them just put on classics all over the world. That way they don't have to be involved with the AEW Tag Team Championships, but they're still that top-tier tag team. That's the way I would use FTR and let them show exactly how good they are. And I think FTR, you know, there's the rumor about, oh, they might go back. They're never going back. <laughs> when they're in AEW, they're a top tag team. When they're in WWE, they're rubbing baby oil and nair on each other's backs. I, I don't I don't really think there's a discussion here about which one's the better fit for them. They're professional wrestlers, not sports entertainers. If they were sports entertainers, they'd join the Jericho Appreciation Society. So if you had to pick someone for them to wrestle, Roger, uh, any other tag team right now, who who would be your, your dream opponent for them right now? I can pick any tag team across like any promotion. Yeah, like uh, we'll say it does not even WWE if you want to throw in there or like MLW, like throw anything. Just kind of curious. Uh, God, I, you know, truthfully, the team I kind of want to see them fight right now would be the uh, Blackpool Combat Club. I'd really love to see those two versus uh, Mox and, and Brian. But if we're going more of a traditional tag team, I'd like to see an actual proper match with them in the New Day and them an actual proper match with them and the Usos. Because whatever happened on Raw, I don't count that nonsense. Um, and I already mentioned I'd love to see them against Motor City Machine Guns. That would be super fun. Um, there's some teams in NJPW I think they could really tear it up, especially the junior heavyweights. I mean, there's there's so many. I so, yeah, I mean, you pick one. Just give me a great tag team and I'll, I'll be golden. I can put two guys together who aren't even a tag team. Give me Ricochet and Osprey versus FTR. It'll be great. I'll be happy. Um, I think it's funny that uh, I was watching um, BTE on Monday. And the they've been trying to set up the Young Bucks versus the Hardys now that the Hardys are in AEW. And just on this week's episode... <laughs> the Hardy said, after a loss like that, maybe we should go face FTR and be a real good classic match. I was like, that's excellent. I wouldn't mind seeing that match. The Hardys versus FTR would be good. Um, there's just, I mean, they are operating on another level, another another level right now, and it it doesn't even matter who you put them up against. It could be a at least a four a four star classic. I mean, totally agree. They are, I mean, like we're halfway through the year. Like they're probably going to be, you know, tag team of the year for me, most likely depending on obviously what happens in the latter half of the year. But like, 
easily like front runners for that. They're probably going to win the AEW titles, the tag titles again, be the first team to do so. Uh, obviously, I have the AAA, that are the Ring of Honor titles. Uh, you know, this is a, a belt collector, but a tag team, which is kind of neat, you know, and I, I love their matches that their match against the Briscoes was insane. And that mm-hmm. was a five star. And, you know, like Roger said about the young bucks, that's what their first match should have been, you know, and, but it was still great. Like this, this match was amazing. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do. I I'm assuming that the pay-per-view, it seems like they're kind of moving towards potentially going against uh, jungle express. I don't know. Um, they might like take a, a little bit more time than do it at all in, um, Obviously, we'll see. And I would hope that they probably have something lined up potentially for the uh, Forbidden Door pay-per-view, too. Have they fought Red Dragon yet? Uh, I don't think so. Not one-on-one or not team-on-team. I think they may have been involved in, like, the uh, Four Corners or something like that. If they haven't fought, and I can't remember if they have, that would be my answer to your question. You give Red Dragon and and FTR 25 minutes, I'm golden. Unless you can get me Ciampa and Gargano, and then that's my answer. All right. So, you know, one thing I, I find uh, interesting is that, so Wardlow is pretty much over. I mean, like, no matter, like, every time he comes out, he's over. I like the gimmick that they're doing where uh, they cuff him, which I, I don't know why I find that hilarious. But basically, MJF is having to deal with them, and they're he's pretty much torching him. So I, I got a question, Doug. What do you think is going to end up happening with this in the long run? Do you think it's going to be MJF puts him over, or do you think that if this is just going to be like a, a non-pay-per-view thing? I think they've got to resolve it at a pay-per-view, but whether or not Wardlow goes oh, I mean, I think this is one of those times that they could definitely put Wardlow over even in a loss to MJF that it's still going to be one of those uh, things that MJF will find some screwy way to finish it uh, and get, get a win. Um, But either way, I I think, and I I almost want him to do that where MJF goes over in the actual win column, but Wardlow still just the beat down to give the fans what they want. Yeah, I think that uh, they're doing a really good job of making Wardlow a big deal. And the thing that happened, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago now, where MJF is uh, kind of putting himself in the crowd. He's putting his arms out and stuff. And then you know what's going to happen. And they did a really good job of slowing it down. And you know he's he's going to take the mask off. You know He's going to take everything off to reveal who it is. And we know it. And it was fantastic. And and I loved the way that they set that up. I'm curious, you know, MJF typically is the one that gets a win, even if it's a smarmy way. I feel like it would be a mistake to have MJF get a win over Warlow. I think Warlow, they're building him up to get that win. So I, I would like to see him get that win. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Obviously, uh, probably a double or nothing, I'm guessing, is when they would do it. Uh, potentially all in, but I would guess double or nothing. I think there's an out. Um, if you do it properly, and, and that's actually what I think they're going to do. I think MJF gets to control Wardlow's bookings because he works for him. So what he's going to do is say, okay, at double or nothing, you're facing me in a handicap match if me and Sean Spears. That way, Wardlow can win the match without pinning MJF. 
and then he gets free of his contract. And then I expect MJF to win the Casino Battle Royal later that night because obviously Sean Spears will do the heavy lifting and that catapults MJF into the title picture. So I think you can resolve both. And then, you know, if MJF wins the title, you've got a built-in challenger and Wardlow who can say, I have, you know, a win over you. You know, you can still do the Captain Sean Dean thing where he's basically MJF's version of James Ellsworth, where, you know, he's never been able to beat this guy who's clearly three tiers below him. So you can do that fun match and dynamite. But yeah, I mean, they've done an excellent job with Wardlow. I absolutely love the way they built him. They took their time. They built it up. You see that Wardlow had been ready to punch him in the face and explode after all the nonsense that MJF talked. So good job on them. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see him powerbomb him, like frothing at the mouth. And it's great. So, you know, when you're building young stars, that's fantastic. And that's the way you're supposed to do it. Now, something that I, I was actually, I, I don't like this, uh, but with the, the Blackpool Combat Club, they added um, Yuta, but... You know, I, Roger, I'm curious. Do you think it was smart to add a third member already, or do you, or or do you think this is it's just going to be a trio? Uh, I think it's 100 percent smart because the whole purpose of this should have been to help get somebody else over. Daniel Bryan, or you know, Brian Danielson and John Moxley are over. There's no question about it. They're popular. If you're going to create a stable, you need to build somebody up new with it. And that's where Wheeler Yuta, who went from kind of floundering with the best friends to now he feels legit. He's the pure champion. He had a bloodbath fight with Moxley. He didn't even beat him. And yet he came out looking like a million dollars kicking out of the paradigm shift. I think twice even. Like I mean, he absolutely looked like a monster. He was bleeding all over the place. She said, wow, this guy's legit. I think it was a great move. I love what they're doing. It keeps uh, Danielson and Mox have a title picture for now, which is fine because you can insert them back in whenever you want to, and no one's going to question it. You know, Danielson's already lost, but Mox certainly against Hangman would make sense. So I love it. I, I think it's a great move. I wouldn't even mind them adding a fourth guy, but if they stay at three, so be it. I wouldn't mind them adding a woman. I think that would be a great move because someone like William Regal should be a mentor to younger people because of his history and his respect in the industry. So I think so far, good move. If you are add to, if you were to add a woman wrestler, who would you want him to be? My first thought is Serena Deeb. She is uh, technical. You know, she's got a bit of a violent streak. Um, I always thought Layla Hirsch would be another one who could work because she's pretty violent. She doesn't have that character established, but I also like her with Team Taz because she kind of reminds me of a female Taz. So I think either one of those works. Um, yeah, I guess if you want to go, maybe if you want to give Chris Statlander a more violent move, you can do her. But I like her with the best friends. So, yeah, I'd probably say Serena Deeb or, or Layla Hirsch. Those would be my two choices. I definitely see the Layla Hirsch uh, as one that I would be in my top choice. Uh, the Chris Statlander would be kind of funny just by the aspect that they keep pulling people from the best friends, but not actually the best friends or Orange Cassidy. So that would be kind of funny. But uh I, I like it. I I think that is the whole purpose of this was to get a, another wrestler up there uh, to build them up and give them a a name and build their name and, and showcase what they can do also uh, as a top talent. Yeah, I like Wheeler Yuta. I think that he's really cool, and I kind of like the storyline that they had going into it. So I'm glad that they did it. But uh, Andy, I did want to ask you another big storyline that they have going on right now is CM Punk has been motioning for a title. And uh, this last week, uh, him and Hangman, uh, they had a look at each other. So it looks like potentially a double or nothing. We're going to see CM Punk taking on Hangman Adam Page. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's not confirmed, but 
the way it's looking, they I mean, he's been teasing this for a while though. Um at least a at least a few months. So I think it's only natural that they that he put that he goes in there, but I don't think that you take it off page yet. I think Punk's going to have to put him over, which I think is going to make a big deal because Punk's wa- like lost what once in a tag team. So I mean, if no, he MJF. No, MJF. MJF beat him in Chicago MJF beat him oh. twice. Remember, he choked him out and then he pinned him later. Both dirty, but he technically beat him twice. That's right. But they only counted as one. <laughs> but MJF counts as two, and that's all that matters. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, so I I I, I do find it amazing because. I, I just don't see a, him needing to win this. So there's no reason to have put the title on Punk right now. If you want to make Adam Page something huge, you leave it on him. You have him beat the best in the world. So I'm really happy about this. I think this is going to be uh, special when it when it all is said and done. So kudos to Punk. Kudos for AEW for taking all this time before they were like, okay, I guess we'll give you a shot. So um, unlike some places like, you know, um, WWE, where they'll just give someone a towel shit just because. Yeah, I, I like the idea of them taking each other on. I'm a little mixed on who I would have go over. Like, part of me is thinking, like, oh, you have CM Punk go over, and, you know, you have a established veteran, you know, hold the title for a little bit, and then he puts over maybe a younger talent. But obviously, then he is taking it off a younger talent. So, you know, that potentially could hurt Adam Page. Um, so I, I have some mixed feelings about that. But I think that they could put on a really good match. I think also, like, you know, give Punk the the mic and let him you know cut some promos you know like i'm curious what a babyface punk would be because it's babyface first babyface so what is punk gonna say you know he's not gonna come out and like not gonna do a john cena on him and call him a dynasty you know and like it's not him as a heel where he's you know going against the rock it'll be different uh but i don't know i mean i'm interested in seeing it uh you know i would this is something i would buy the pay-per-view for to see punk in this type of role I think Punk is best uh, utilized winning this match for the clicks and the attention that it would get for AEW. Um, I think Hangman should win this one, though, just due to the fact that, again, building up your own stars and everything like that. um, I I love Hangman Page, but at the same time, it really seems like his storyline is not necessarily the biggest showcase on the show. Having him go up against Punk kind of puts it back up there. Having him beat Punk would definitely put him back in a more, I I hate saying it, main event status aspect. But he needs some more, I I even hate saying he needs more quality wins because he beat Daniel Bryan. You know, but at the same time, he needs more quality wins. He needs some more big matches to win to legitimize his title run. Uh, but at the same time, I could see them giving it to Punk just because you want to make your title the storyline to go forward. And there would be a lot of other people that Punk could put over eventually when he loses the title. To me, you brought in CM Punk for two reasons. One was to get eyeballs on your product, which has been accomplished. And then number two was to help have him help you make superstars. MJF feels like more of a superstar having feuded with Punk than he did beforehand. Adam Page needs to feel like more of a superstar than he did before feuding with Punk, which means he needs to beat Punk. Should Punk be AEW champion? At some point, absolutely yes. Not right now. They've always been very good with a story and a plan. And to me, the plan is not move to CM Punk. CM Punk doesn't need to beat Adam Page. CM Punk needs to go the distance with Adam Page. Adam Page needs to beat him and cement his legacy as one of the greatest champions of all time. 
So to me, this is a no brainer. You have page win here. Look, it's not, you don't bury punk. You don't have him get squashed in six minutes. This match should be fantastic. And it goes 30 plus minutes. But at the end, this needs to be hangman page. You can say, I beat basically the king of the Indies and Brian Danielson. I beat the other king of the Indies and CM Punk. I took down um, Adam Cole, right? Like he is, he's beating a who's who because like Doug said, he hasn't really been the focus of the show, but he's kind of quietly been putting up a resume that is legendary. If he knocks down all these people, you look and go, wow, that's one of the greatest set of title defenses you've ever seen, which of course makes things better for when everyone beats him and says, I beat the guy, beat all these guys. So I, I think it's Paige. There's no question about it in my mind. I think this match would be really good. I'm excited to see what Punk does on the mic because I think this is when you get him leaning more into his heel type territory, and that's when Punk really shines. When he can kind of let loose and and, and really kind of dig into him, that's when you're going to see the Punk that we want to see on the microphone. So I'm kind of excited for this feud. What do you think, though, about like with what Doug had said, kind of the business side of things, right? Like we're thinking about it makes sense. This you know elevates Adam Page. Totally understand what you're saying there. But with the clicks and getting people maybe a little bit more like invested, like, oh, I remember CM Punk. Oh, he's their world champion. I want to tune in and see like and then potentially let's just say like they kind of WWE it and they have they do a rematch three months later at All In or at, you know, uh, not Revolution, um, uh, the other full gear. And they do a rematch there and Punk drops the title back to him, you know, so he puts him back over. What yeah. do you think about something like that? I already I saw that, actually. It was called WCW. Mm-hmm. And I have no interest in seeing that again. I don't uh, want to see 50-50 booking either. I don't want to see 50-50. I don't want to see them WWE. I don't want to see them WCW. I don't want to see them TNA. It. I understand that clicks matter and it generates you know revenue and, and getting people eyes on the product and all those things. But that's what WCW was notorious for doing. That's what TNA was notorious for doing, right? Oh, look, we signed this big name. He comes in and wins the championship. Rob Van Dam comes in and pins AJ Styles night one. Now, not that this is a punk thing, but the future of your company is not CM Punk. The future of your company is Hangman Page. The future of your company is MJF. Those are the people that you should be working to ensure are built as the pillars and the foundation of the company while you're building up the next set of stars. That doesn't mean you bury Punk. That doesn't mean you bury Danielson. But Punk doesn't need to be champion right here, right now. When the story calls for it, great. If MJF has a long run and Punk's the one who takes us off of him, we'll all be like, fine. That's great. That makes sense. Punk winning this, it's just a bad move. Would it sink AW? No. Would them putting back the title in three months sink them? No. Would I call it stupid? I would. There's just no need for that. Let Paige beat him. Let him continue to solidify himself as a great champion and move on. Punk has plenty of other feuds that we are dreaming to see him do, especially Punk versus Danielson. I can't wait for that feud. So he goes up for the championship. He says he wants to challenge for him. He loses. Great. That means it's his first clean loss, which is a big deal. And then he moves on and, and continues to shine. All right, so we talked about some of the best wrestling. Let's talk about some of the worst. So Vince McMahon delivers a .5 star match with McAfee. Um, Roger, just curious. Uh, I thought it was more like minus five stars, but, you know, I'm a little biased. So what did you think about this uh, horrible um, thing? We'll just call it that. I don't even know I would call it a match. It felt more like a segment, if that makes sense. Um, look, I don't want to watch Vince McMahon wrestle anyone who isn't Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because Vince versus Austin is like a callback to the greatest feud of all time. So I'm fine with that. Anything else? I didn't need to see Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory in the first place. Or Theory or whatever his name is. He might just be the in a couple weeks. But... I, <laughs> 
Look, I understand that there are things that WWE does that are not for me, like 95% of their product. This is one of those things that I don't enjoy. Austin coming back and giving McMahon the worst stunner of all time was quite hilarious because the first time he gave him the stunner, Vince botched it, and it was terrible. So it was, it was full circle, and that's great. But I know who this is for, and this is not for me. I'm someone who enjoys what AEW does. What WWE does is a very different demographic that they're targeting. And for those people, I hope they enjoyed it because, meh, not my thing. Um, I am both concerned and also really, really curious. Um, Pat McAfee, is he, uh, is he okay? Is he going to pass away in a few days? Because this seemed like a make a wish and I can't blame him for taking it. Um, Pat McAfee, uh, you know, get well soon, I hope, but aren't you also a little old for make a wish, but who knows? I don't blame him. If, if you were to tell me that I had to go on, if, if Vince McMahon came to me and said, Hey, you're going to have a match at WrestleMania. And I'll be like, awesome. And he goes, but you have to lose to me. I would be still thrilled to be able to say, ha, 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 get to wrestle Vince McMahon at WrestleMania. Awesome. But I'll give you the win on, on somebody else. Uh, you can, you can have that. Uh, but then you have to face me and lose. No problem. Um, so by that sense of it, sure, cool, great, but I didn't need to see it. As a fan, don't care, don't want to see it. It was horrible. I mean, but I do believe it did get to funny bad. Like, it was so horrible, I was laughing. So it entertained me. So maybe it does deserve maybe a .5 star match because at least it had that entertainment value. Uh, it was not a good match by any means, but... It happened. McAfee beat Austin Theory, who then, I think the next night, beat Finn Balor for the United States Championship within a week. So literally, you said Austin Theory, who beat Finn Balor for the United States Championship, lost to 80-year-old Vince McMahon. Yep. That is the transit. So really, by like old right of conquest, Vince McMahon should say he's the United States Champion right now. Yes. Yep, because but, he, I mean, you, yeah. you have to reward the people for for taking a loss like that like sure. austin theory deserves something mm-hmm. for taking the loss to pat mcafee does he deserve it a week after no he deserves to be built up to be a united states champion yes mm-hmm. but also let's be real does the united states championship mean anything no it should mean I, something and it still ticks me off that they haven't done much with it like i can't tell you the last feud for it that mattered no I, I will say I am pleasantly pleased from the couple things that I've seen on uh, social media with uh, what Austin Theory is doing, and I don't have the uh, the tweet in front of me. But you want the Cena tweet? He, yeah, he 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 tweeted Cena saying I'm better than you, and then Cena went out and said, "Yeah, you are. Now prove it." Yep, you have more talent than I ever did. Now make sure you have the work to match it. Yeah. Right. Yep. So I agree with both of your thoughts. The only thing I will say about it is this. Uh, Unnecessary? Yes. Is it going to get the clicks? Probably. You know, Pat McAfee obviously has a very successful show. He gets to talk about how he wrestled Vince McMahon, and you know, he's fight. He's probably going to be his final match. Uh, he gets stunned by Stone Cold. I mean, this is purely the entertainment aspect of sports entertainment, and yeah, it's not for me. It, it really isn't. The one thing I thought was kind of funny is uh, 
like uh, Meltzer came out and he's like, well, this was not a very good match. It's like, what did you expect it to be? You have a 76 year old man coming out there. Were you expecting a four star classic? Like, I mean, Vince has put on some good matches before. I'm not saying, yeah, 30 years ago. Like, I'm not expecting him to go out there at 76 years old, even though he's built pretty well. Like, you know, he obviously is taking care of himself, but I'm not expecting him to go out and have a amazing match like anything above one star i would be shocked at you know you're, for you're telling me that if rick flair came out of retirement at 76 and wrestled like kenny omega you wouldn't think they can get it to four stars i mean flair could probably get it to like you know with with omega like to three maybe in the tokyo dome tokyo dome you add one yeah okay so four stars yeah Oh man, you know the one thing also that you know I want to just touch real quick on. I was actually I had a lot of fun watching uh, Knoxville and uh, Sami Zayn Russell. Like surprisingly, it was not a great match. It was hilarious and entertaining. So I just thought that that was something that compared because watching that and then coming to this, you're like, oh, it can't be that bad. And then they they literally stunk it up. But um, so the other thing also that happened right during this, right at the end of this was all of a sudden you hear the glass break and Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out. And um, Roger, can you describe the stunner for me that he took? <laughs> uh, so he go, he kicks him and I think Vince either forgot what was happening or he lost his balance, which look, the man's what, 76 years old, losing your balance is going to happen. But he like falls into the ropes, I believe, and then Austin tries to save it and recover it, and then it almost turns into like a diamond. Co- I mean, everything about it was awful. But it was it, it was kind of like what Doug said. It was so bad that it became funny because it, it's obviously ridiculous. Austin's retired. Vince is seventy eight. Thirty years ago, they couldn't get the stunner right. Like I remember him botching it when he stunned him, and Vince took it like a flip. Th- I mean, it was just bizarre. So it was you know it was kind of poetic in a sense that like it doesn't matter whether it's ninety seven or twenty twenty two. Austin and Vince botching a stunner doesn't really matter because it was cool to see the boss get stunned. Um, the only good thing about this entire segment was Austin, right? I mean, he was fantastic. It was great to see him. I was fortunate enough to see him live when he wrestled his last match. So to get to see him come back was great. You know, thumbs up. Love to see him. But that's it. That Austin was the part of this segment. You go thumbs up. Everything else eh, I could have done without. Like if they had just had an interview and then Austin would came out, would have been just as happy. You're talking about theory, right? Uh, the obvious, uh, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, no, definitely. That's the, uh, so I don't know if you guys ever remember when NXT, um, Austin theory once did the thing where he pulled the hood off and yelled, it was me, Austin, the whole, like, just to reveal it. So they've made that play on that words before. So whenever he's revealed as the higher power again, it'll be glorious. I also like That's how amazing. Vince almost had a heart attack listening to Austin theory's music. <laughs> like he freaked out because he he totally botched it. He thought it was, he yeah, freaked he out because it was, it was supposed to be yeah Stone Cold and it was theories and can we talk about theories stunner by the way he took like a Mario jump or something oh yeah he, like wow yeah I love that people go all out for selling stunner like I love the way Scott Hall did it you know where he took that you know super bounce and went in the air but like. Theories was hilarious. Like it, it's just one of those things again. Like theories made, was like HBK versus Hogan. Yes, it made no. It, it was like Day of Reckoning, SmackDown. Here comes the pain <laughs> logic, right? You're like, that's not how this work, but still, <laughs> like, why did you pop up in the air with your legs kick out? Like, I, yep. I, I mean, McAfee took it like a champ. Who? McAfee yep. took it like a champ. 
I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie though. You're not going to beat rock stunner for me. Like I just love the way right. I the stunner just chaos happened in the ring. Like he got hit by, a, <laughs> he got slapped by a tornado. So clearly Matt Hardy was involved, but <laughs> it's just right. He was spinning around and bouncing off the ropes. And he's just like, everyone has their own unique self in a stunner and it's great. And, and including Vince, I don't know what he's doing, <laughs> doing something and it's a sell. <laughs> I've got nothing else to add. I think we've pretty much touched all we could on this. I mean, this was a the the, the fun bad of of WrestleMania. The the Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville was. I, I thought that was also fun bad for me. It got to that nice little point of fun bad. It was uh, comedic, uh, but again, it's nothing I really need for a WrestleMania. So yeah, it was there. Uh, it's something else that uh, I, I'm, I finally they did something with this, but Bianca Belair, she is now that she has the WWE Raw title, women's title now. I don't know why you needed her to drop it to Becky and then drop it back to her. I still don't know that part, but Aaron, what do you, what do you think about this whole thing that they've done? I mean, I'm super happy for her that she that she won because I think she should have been the women's champion this entire time. But do you think that this might be too little too late at, at this point? No, like she, obviously she needed to beat Becky. I think it was a burial if she didn't. And, you know, like I said, and I'll repeat just in case anyone is your first the show, I said for SummerSlam, she should have beat, I think it was Carmella in like three seconds. And then she should have said like, look, I'm the best in, in WWE. No one else can beat me. Like you've thrown everybody at me. Who else, Who's left? And then Becky Lynch comes out and Becky Lynch beats her, you know, because she like got overzealous and she was like, oh crap. I like, I, I was, I'm, I am the best, but like, I wasn't prepared. Like I made a mistake and that's what you call a character arc, you know, where you like go, like, I, I still am the best, but I got to train to be the best, you know, and I can't just like, you know, get in my own head or whatever. And so like, it was the, it was the right move, but man, like that burial at SummerSlam, like that, that was, ter- that was terrible to me, in my opinion. Um, to me, it is, you, you are writing a wrong, uh, Bianca should have never lost it. At SummerSlam like that, but it's just for me it was a little bit of almost too little, too late. Like she deserved to be the champion going into this. This should have been set up where Bianca was the champion and uh, Becky was the challenger going into WrestleMania. That made more sense to me. But WWE doesn't do long term booking. They do let's do this for the clickbaits and then we'll try to fix it later. And Becky's little title run was, I, I mean, I don't really remember much of uh, WWE for the past year. And I, I mean, truly, honestly, it's, it's not been a, a product worth watching at all. Um, I mean, I've, I've even kind of just stopped watching the highlights. If I, if I see it in my Facebook feed, I'll, I'll see what happened. But other than that, I'm not, I'm not interested. So I'm glad that Bianca won. Uh, that they at least saw that that it was a mistake instead of completely burying her and doing it that way. Um, but I do kind of wonder now what they're going to do for uh, for any kind of long-term booking because now you don't have Becky with the title. And uh, we'll talk about it maybe, but you had Flair versus Ronda, which was not a star-stunning match. And you had Charlotte win. So your pretend biggest event where it might be a main event for the women again 
of Becky versus Ronda for a title. There's going to be a storyline there that I just don't care about. I remember alluding to this. Did we just make the mistake of betting against Charlotte Flair? And sure enough, we did. Right? Mm-hmm. We all we all picked against her, knowing, knowing, just like we did against with Oscar. We knew Charlotte probably was going to win. We just wanted to believe that they weren't that stupid, but they are. And that's all I really need to say about that. Um, so I agree with Aaron that I would have done it differently. I think it's fine to have Becky eventually win the championship. I, I, but it would have been, you know, have, have Becky do something ridiculous where she cashes in a rematch at the 15th minute mark of, um, Bianca versus Carmella. And then she takes advantage and hits a cheap shot. So it was very clear that Becky was, uh, you know, taking advantage of the situation. And then she just refuses to give Bianca a rematch. Like, nope, no, actually for once enforce the little known rule about no rematch and says, no, Bianca, you get no rematches and makes her earn it. And then Bianca has to train better and she has to fight through. She has to qualify to get to the rumble. Becky tries to screw her in the rumble. And then maybe Bianca wins a two time and she wins the Royal rumble because they wasted on Ronda for no good reason. And now Becky can't run. And then you have this match and you have this moment and you actually had a good build to it because the ending was fine. The right person went over. You made her look like a star. It's just the entire story up to it kind of sucked. And Becky's title reign was forgettable. So it's not like she beat, I mean, did she beat anybody worthwhile? I don't think she beat Sasha. I don't think she beat Asuka. I don't think she beat Charlotte. I think the only time they interact is when they switch the titles and kind of threw a hissy fit with one another. So it was like that, that is what you killed her for with a forearm and a rock bottom. And it just, Again, there's no story. The division is too thin. There's so many problems, and sometimes it just is what it is. But this was the right ending. It was just the wrong beginning. So, you know, you be- have better storylines. Not that AEW is perfect with this either, because their women's division has a lot of things we can fuss about. But this is not the way you should be booking future superstars. And uh, let's let's talk about, I, I think, uh, on night one, one of the biggest things that happened was Seth Rollins had an opponent, and it was Vince's pick. And then... Just out of curiosity, I mean, Roger, were you pretty excited when he came out? No, not really. Um, One, I knew it was him. And two, I look, Cody is fine. I wasn't on the Cody hate train AEW as much as everybody was, but it was very clear that the crowd had rejected face Cody Rhodes, like, you know, the guy who had solved racism and um, trying to be the American dream part two. That that's, you know, Cody Rhodes as a face is okay, but he's bland to me. Cody was always at his best when he was wearing the ring of ring of honor. And he was kind of the entitled little brat who was uh, a legacy kid. I mean, that to me, that is Cody at his best brandy is best as a heel. And when they kind of tried to force him face, it made sense that he left. Do I really care about, Cody Rhodes in WWE? No, because I have no faith that he'll be anything more than what every other guy who gets called up from NXT or a different company is, which is he'll win a secondary title. He'll be a 10 o'clock champion. Um, maybe he wins the world title. That doesn't matter. Do I think he has a chance in hell against Roman Reigns? No, they're not going to put Cody Rhodes over Roman Reigns. And you'd be insane to think otherwise. Is he going to beat Brock Lesnar? No. I mean, yeah, he'll beat Seth Rollins because Seth loses all the time. And then he magically shoots back up the card. But this was a waste of Seth Rollins. I'll say it again, and we'll talk about it later. Seth shouldn't have been in this match. This Drew McIntyre versus Cody Rhodes would have been fine. I 100% would have been fine with McIntyre, and Seth should have been somewhere else helping a really terrible match actually be good. But Cody, look, I'm glad they gave him that nice little entrance, and I'm glad they gave him that promo. Call me in six months. Call me in 12 months when he's back to Stardust. Call me when he's in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal next SmackDown before WrestleMania. I just I don't have faith in their creative 
to actually utilize him long-term. And if they do, I'll eat my words and say, good job. But I, just like we talked about Adam Cole, they won't use him properly. They won't use Finn Balor properly. And there's a list of guys. They won't use FTR properly. I mean, it's just they cannot use enough people properly because they only build around three or four people at a time. This will be the most – I mean, like I'm already penciling in Cody Rhodes as my fallen from grace. Um, this is – to me, this is what it's going to be. It's – he, he took a payday. Good for him. Good business deal for him. No problem with him moving over. But uh, this was definitely just a, a, a business move, a payday. And he couldn't stand the fact that even though he was Mr. I started AEW, now you have Brian Danielson and now you have CM Punk. You have Adam Cole. You have all this other talent that is so much better than him. And he realizes not only is he not going to get another title shot because um, of his stupid little condition, but he's not going to get a title shot because he's not the best wrestler. It's not the best storyline. And I want to be a face. I I need to be the face. Well, you're no longer the face of AEW. And if you think you're going to be the face of WWE, (laughs) I think there's one way that he would be the face of WWE. I think that Vince would have to pass. Would he have to marry Stephanie? He would have to marry Stephanie. But I, I think that because I do like Cody Rhodes. I don't think he's like the like you build everything around him. I still think Seth Rollins has it. And I'm surprised they're not pushing him more. But bringing Cody in. Yeah, he ha- he's going to have a good dance partner. But at the end of the day, I mean, for some reason, Vince hated Dusty, which I don't get. But then Triple H loved Dusty. I mean, that's why he was in the NXT, so Vince would have to, wouldn't have to see him. But, yeah, I, I find that... Dusty never looked like what he wanted in a superstar. Right. Dusty definitely man. didn't have the WWE look. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a bigger guy. He was round. You know, he, he Hulk Hogan was steroided out, ripped. Macho Man, steroided out, ripped. Ultimate Warrior, steroided out, ripped, right? Andre the Giant, literally larger than life. All of those people had a physical attribute that Vince McMahon craved. Dusty Rhodes looked like one of us. He was average height, larger than width. When you uh, say a son of a plumber, son of a plumber, you know, great talker. He talked with a lisp, you know, so it's like those aren't the things that Vince McMahon sees as a guy I want to put on the face of a TV truck or the things I want to push on a billboard. I mean, Mick Foley even could never really bre- breach that glass ceiling because he looked like one of us and he killed himself for the company. So it's like, I'm not surprised that Dusty never got higher. And to Doug's point about Cody, you were a great big fish in a small pond, but once that small pond got filled with sharks, time to go. I will say I'm probably more hopeful than you guys. It is WWE. So like, I don't know why I'm hopeful, uh, you know, fool me once fool me 27 times. I, I, I don't know, but I, I'm really hoping, you know, like how I feel like we willed CM Punk into becoming a champion. We will Daniel Bryan into becoming a champion there. I'm not saying like people are going to get behind Cody Rhodes in that way, but I feel like, you know, he went back and they had, here's what we're planning on doing for the next three years. It's an outline. Here's the ideas that we have. I'm assuming he has something in his contract about winning the title. I think that that is a really big deal for him. And he really wants to be a former WWE champion. I think that is like more than anything else. I think he would take a pay cut in order to be WWE champion. You know, like that is so important to him. And I feel like 
they will move that way at some point in time. I'm not saying like at WrestleMania next year, cause I think it's going to be, you know, Reigns versus rock. That's kind of penciled in, you know, already, but you know, he could be a transitional champion. You know, I think that there's going to be something, I don't think it'll be this year. I don't know if it'd be next year, but I think that they would probably give him the title at some point in time. I'll, I'll just flat out. I'm going to call this right now. I believe that Cody Rhodes will be champion at some point before the end of the year. And I think because he talked about his contract at one point and he's making it sound like it, he said it was complex. So I bet he has things in there saying I get, or he'll be like, I see champion or whatever, or he, yes, exactly. Um, but he, but he was also talking about, he wants to bring the wing winged uh, belt back, which, you know, he brought the old IC title back, but I think that he has something in his contract that says if he's not champion by X amount of time, he can leave. So, so here's the thing, and this is, I guess, what I was alluding to when they split the titles, because they're not going to have the unified universal world heavyweight international championship forever, right? It'll have two world titles. He will win one of those, I believe, but he's going to, much like Kofi, much like uh, Punk, he's going to be the 10 o'clock champion, which is you come out in the middle of the show, you have your feuds, but you are not the main event of any of the show. You are not Roman Reigns, you are not Brock Lesnar, you are not Seth Rollins. And if he's okay with that, then great. I think there's a role for him in that. Do I ever see him being the guy? No, not in this company. There's no way. I mean, look, we know Roman Reigns is the guy. We know Brock Lesnar when he shows up is the guy. And if those two are hurt, it's Seth Rollins who would be like the default position or Drew McIntyre. Is Cody Rhodes going to be the guy who wins a Royal Rumble and headline WrestleMania? I'll have to see it in the bleed. Even if he won the Rumble, I still don't think he would headline WrestleMania. Like, there's just... That isn't who he is. It's the same way Sheamus didn't headline when he won the Rumble. I mean, it's just you're a 10 o'clock champion. That is who you are. But his ceiling is second tier champion. He will never be the guy. So, Aaron, right now, so Roman, of course, wins everything. Lol, Roman wins. What's happening with him? Yeah, I mean, he's 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 the champ. And I don't know who he's facing next. I have no clue what they're doing. They call him the... WWE Universal Champion. He uh, punked out uh, Shinsuke for whatever reason. It was a really weird segment. And it just feels like nothing is really happening. And they have a pay-per-view in just a couple of weeks now. And I feel like, if, are they just not going to have him on there? Which is kind of silly because like he has both of your world champions like or championships. So like I understand, like, oh, we're not going to have one of them on there. But like, it just is really weird. Like, I don't quite get what they're doing with the booking. It seems like, you know, there's a lot of speculation how he's going to hold a title until WrestleMania next year to take on the rock. And that's going to be a big headliner. And that would be, that'd be really cool. You know, like to have rock versus Roman, um, you know, in terms of not necessarily the athletic prowess, but of the, uh, the spectacle itself. Uh, but I just, I don't really care. Like I, it's not a big deal. The match itself, you know, him versus Brock was terrible. And it was, I think maybe even the worst of their matches that they've had together. And it's like, I, I, I have no interest in SmackDown. And if he's the champion at raw, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in raw either. And I went back and I watched raw recently and I was still like, ah, oh, I don't know why I'm doing this. You're trying to hurt me. You know, it's, it's, this isn't fun. It's, it's a long three hours, really long three hours. Even though I fast forward through most of it, it's still like it, it was a long time, you know, to watch. Now, I will say one thing. I did watch Raw um, the other night, and I watched it from basically the Miz segment till the main event, which was the last hour. They literally stretched it out that far. There might have been something in between, but it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you're not missing much. Um, does anyone want to even talk about Roman? Lol. All right, Doug. All right. 
What do you got? I, I just want to mention the the storylines that are happening in WWE seem oddly familiar to things that are happening in AEW. The belt collector, the um, you know, Alistair Black's House of Black and the you know Edge and uh Damian Priest now. When you order House of Black and Wish.com? Yes. I'm just saying. Ugh. I guess when you start losing in ratings, you kind of have to copy the people that are doing better than you. I don't know. Uh, it just seems a little odd. But at the same time, you got Roman Reigns. Why not make him the uh, NXT champion? Why not make him the uh, U.S. champion? Why not make him the Intercontinental champion? Let's have him collect all the belts in WWE. And then he can take on the man and win her championship. I don't know. Let's have him seriously collect everything, and then it can be him versus The Rock for everything, and then The Rock retires as the champion, and all the belts can be up for grabs again. But at the end of the day, do you think Rock can still go in the ring? They had Brock versus Roman. Why wouldn't they just do something with The Rock? I mean, it doesn't even matter. I mean, you had Vince McMahon in a WrestleMania ring, and he's 76 years old. You might even have Vince come out and be the guest referee for that match, and he wins it and declares himself the winner of all and and has every title, and it's during a Royal Rumble match all of a sudden. Not that, because he would tear both his quads. Well, he's the last one to come out, and they literally bring him out in the wheelchair, or I mean the the, uh, ATV or or the, the golf cart. Which he'll fall off of and then crack his skull or something. I mean, I don't wish any harm against Vince McMahon. I truly don't. But it would be funny. Um, if I understood where they were going with the Roman Reigns thing, it wouldn't bother me so much. But everything they have done has basically been, let's build Roman as the biggest star of all time. He's going to beat Edge. He's going to beat Cena. He's going to beat Brian. He's going to beat Brock. He's going to beat... Basically, you name it. Everyone but Seth Rollins, he beat, strangely enough. And if he's going to face The Rock in a year, you're honestly telling me that he's going to be champion for another year? Mm -hmm. Another full year of Roman being the champion with pointless title defenses? I just, who does that, who is benefiting from this? Yeah, maybe they put over somebody young. Maybe not. I mean, maybe he just vacates the title and decides, ah, I've beaten everyone. So, you know, there's no point in me continuing to be champion. But can't be the best champion in the whole history of wrestling. I mean, at, at this point, maybe they'll sign Hulk Hogan and he'll fight Hulk Hogan for the greatest WrestleMania champion of all time. I mean, at this point, I just don't make it a casket match. <sighs> well, I mean, you know, and, just, and he and the sad thing is, if you've ever watched WWE, this is Vince's pattern. He overpushed Hogan, he beat everybody, and then he got boring. He overpushed Cena, he beat everybody, and then it got boring. He overpushed Roman, he beat everybody, and then it got boring. Over and over. And the only guy he really hadn't beaten was Brock. And then now he's beaten Brock two or three times. So now we're just like, oh, good. The only one per- the only person now who he hasn't dominated has been Seth Rollins. And even if Seth and him highlighted SummerSlam, I give Seth no chance. However, had this match been a triple threat, it would have been, A, a lot better. And, boy, Seth has a chance to find a way to win this. Like, if you wanted compelling actual television, Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, can Seth do it again? Because they Roman and Brock struck gold one time. And it was the time that Rollins cashed in. Every match since then has sucked. This match maybe being the worst of them. I never want to see those two fight again. I didn't want to see them fight this time. And I'm honestly at this point, look, head of the table in Tribal Chief was fun, but you didn't have a plan. And unless he's the champion, just super dominant, it, it, 
apparently there's nothing else to do with him. I would have actually liked to see Roman Reigns take a loss and start to get a little bit unstable and start to get more violent. And you have him in some different feuds where he's moved away from the championship, but instead he's just going to lord over the titles and because and who, who is honestly left for him to fight Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, Braun Breaker. I mean, it's just Braun Breaker who couldn't even beat Dolph Ziggler. I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't see where this is going. I don't see an end game. And I doubt WWE has an end game because we know they don't believe in long-term storytelling. I mean, at this point you've had Roman beat undertaker at WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. He's beaten John Cena multiple times. He beat edge and Daniel Bryan literally by pinning them on top of one another and was alpha pin ever who is truly built up enough at this point to realistically face Roman except Seth. <laughs> yeah. I, the thing that I worry about too is uh, I, I wonder if they're just trying to break records and you know, I don't know why, but WWE, they like, they really pride themselves on that. And so like Bruno, of course, his record is going to be untouched there. You're never going to have somebody hold the title for 2,800 days. It's just impossible. After that, you have Hogan at 1400, Bob Ackland at 1400, Bruno at 1200, I don't see that Pedro's at a thousand potentially because right now Roman Reigns is at 600. So you have 600 days, you know, like 300 more, you know, essentially you add to that. He's closing in on Pedro Morales's record. So I don't know. I mean, they, they might do that. It's kind of a secondary title in a way you, you could potentially do that. I, but it's boring. Like it's not interesting. Like you can have somebody as a champion back then, and not have it be that big of a deal that they hold it for seven years because it's like, Oh yeah, that's right. Bruno's the champion. Like that wasn't a weekly show. You know, <laughs> that, that wasn't, that was something that you saw like once a month, maybe once every other month and you might see, you know, him, him wrestle. So I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's short sighted, you know, you can have year long reigns. That's fine. But two year long reigns, uh, three year, really? Like that's, that's getting a little long in the tooth there. And I just want to point out, um, if I was booking Roman Reigns this week, I would have Hornswoggle um, take him on, except that Roman Reigns would have to have be on his knees the entire time. Um, of course, uh, basically what? Uh, Hogtied and uh, Hornswoggle would beat him in four seconds. It would be an insiguri if whatever it is, the, the <laughs> small version. He would walk up. But while walking up, he'll accidentally kick Roman in the nuts, which is his weak point, and then hit one shot to the face. One, two, three. So, anyway, I'm literally calling you my entire paycheck to watch this happen. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the shortest pay per view of all time, and then everyone would be like, "That was I worth it." Bucks. I see what you did there, Hornswoggle, shortest pay per view. Yes. If we were doing Raw versus SmackDown GM mode, five-star classic. If Dave Meltzer were rating this, seven-star classic. <laughs> All right. So um, let's thank our sponsor, HostGator. Are you a blogger or a podcaster? You're just not happy with your web host? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're going to find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click script as well as with a free side builder, hands-on the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try free demo to see how easy it is. And if you use a special coupon code off the mark, you're going to save 25% off your web hosting packages. So what do you got to lose? Check out HostGator.com and take a bite out of your web host costs. And check out Section 6 off the mark page and click on the banner types to, to save big on items from WShop.com. So probably uh, I think the most important news of uh, recently is the Forbidden Door is going to be in Chicago. Looks like we're going to that. Um, I, it's NJPW, New, J- New Japan Pro Wrestling, taking on All Elite Wrestling, AEW. 
Um, yeah, now we don't know yet any matches, you know, and we don't know if it's going to be only NJPW versus AEW. There's some cross pollination because some of the folks there, they're in bullet club together or they were in bullet club together. So you might have some AEW and NJPW folks coming together to take on some combined folks. But I was kind of curious and, uh, you know, I just kind of want to go around and have a quick discussion, kind of what some of our dream matches are. So. Uh, Doug, let's start with you. Cause I know you're a big NJPW fan. Is there one or two matches that just kind of stick out to you that look, you know, with what they have the talent right now, I would love to see this. Obviously we've already seen Omega Okada before, but is there anything else that you're like, I want to see this match. I will pay as much as I can to see this. There's too many for me to name just one. Um, but if I'm going to go off of realistic possibilities, uh, Aaron and I both had the pleasure of going to the new Japan, uh, event in Chicago. Um, and one of the matches that I think could happen, and I'm actually very, very excited to see it. And they kind of teased it for Washington. But when we looked at the Washington card, Tanahashi already has a match. So does he accept Moxley's challenge to fight him in Chicago? So Moxley versus Tanahashi, very likely possibility of happening. Love to see it. I think that would be a great match. Um, but ultimately, out of the dream matches that I've seen, I think one of them that I'm going to be most excited for, I don't think a lot of people would be excited for, but I'm definitely down for this one, would be the Pac versus Osprey. Those are two high-flying matches or people that can also do the strong style and just look like brutes. Uh, Osprey at the, uh, the Riot, uh, Chicago Riot thing was amazing and just put on a great show. So those two would definitely be one that I would just, I, I would love to see them, them wrestle and put on a clinic um, much to the same kind of feel of Ricochet versus Osprey. Yeah. And Andy, how about you? Is there a match that, you know, you really want to see like potentially. Okay. So the one I really, really, really want to see is punk versus um, Kenta. I just want to see that GTS versus GTS. That's the main, that's one of one of them I would really like to see. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think, I mean, I really like, I want Malachi black to wrestle someone. I don't know if I want to see him wrestle Jay white, but I want, I want him to wrestle someone uh, from the bullet club at least. Um, I just not sure who I want to pick though. Um, and Dan Housen has to be there. I think we have to have a couple, we have to have a comedic spot because you can have great wrestling, but I think, you know, sitting there watching, you know, like three or I'm sorry, four and five star matches. You have to have something kind of comedic at some point in there. And I think Dan Housen can come in and I'm not sure we can put with from new Japan in there as well, but I think something really? can, you don't know who to put into that match because there's really one person in Toro? New Japan that. Yeah, I mean it's definitely uh, Yano. One hundred. Yep. Like he is the comedy guy of G One, and he's fantastic. Him cursing him with the DVDs is just <laughs> made for a TV spot. Okay. Yes. So that would be something I think they should do because then you can have because uh, you can showcase both guys, you know, in the U.S. Uh, and it doesn't then it doesn't matter who wins that match. I mean, at the end of the day. Um, even if they come out and do like uh, where they do commentary or whatever, and they like, or they try to, uh, I don't know, like have a rap battle or something stupid like that, they can make it entertaining, and, uh, and then have Orange Cassidy come out and do his, you know, little kick, and so everyone goes nuts. Just something comedic. I, I hope they would have as well. But 
Um, yeah, but Punk Kenta, that's I really, I really think that would be the big money maker because they've. I've, I've been looking. I can't find anything showing that they wrestled at some point. So. And Roger, how about you? Is there a dream match that kind of sticks out for you that potentially would be worth going to? To me, I want the best wrestler in Japan over the last decade, which is Okada. No question in my mind. I think he has elevated the game. And then pick pick your poison when you're talking about American wrestlers. Uh, for my money, it's probably Daniel Bryan um, because I've seen some of the other ones, right? He's already fought Omega. He's already fought AJ Styles, I believe. But I've never gotten to see Bryan and Okada go at it, and I want to see that. I want to see those two get 30 minutes or 45 minutes or however long it takes, and I want them to just go at it. Um, that's the match I want to see. I think that's a headlining match. I don't even know who wins that match. And I quite frankly could care less if it goes to a 60 minute or 90 minute draw. So be it. If you did an Ironman match and he's got a fall, I'd be fine with that too. But I want to see those two greats go at it because that that's when you say dream match, that's what I think of. No, absolutely. I think that you have, in my opinion, if that match is going on, it needs to headline. Like, because nothing will, will pass that. I mean, even if Omega is there, I think even when you have Mox there, uh, you know, I think if Okada and Daniel Bryan are going at it, it's like, yeah, that's the match people are going to want to see. That's the match people will pay for. So, um, so I totally agree. I think that there is some like potentials for some other matches too. I, one that like I saw people throw out and I was like, Oh, that'd be interesting is Sting versus the great Muda. And obviously look, they're in their late fifties, early sixties. They're old, right? And to the point, you can't have just five star after five star match crowd gets tired. You have to have those let me ups. And I saw somebody kind of point out, well, what if like Sting and Darby teamed, you know, potentially and you take on Muda and then maybe somebody else, you know, I'm sure that there's somebody in, in JPW that you could have, you know, a legends person kind of come out and you could have a match like that kind of get a rub. Uh, that'd be kind of interesting too, because we have, there are some dream matches that you have, but again, you could get a little worn out if you have just like, amazing match after amazing match for three and a half hours. Yeah. I, I really like the fact that they're good that they're doing this. I, I just wish that you could almost have WWE get involved. And even at the end of the day, well, I mean, not everyone, but certain guys come over, you know, like Roan Reigns is in the corner and then um, every tag team is allowed to go in there and do whatever they want to Roman. And then we turn into a steel cage match. So he can't run. And then so we cuff the Usos. Before you go on with this Roman beatdown, which believe me, I want to hear. <laughs> I would agree with you if the agreement was Triple H was in power and he was booking NXT. I want Vince McMahon nowhere near this because he will taint and ruin it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if Vince has nothing to do with it, it's like, all right, I'm going to send you these guys. There are certain guys that can wrestle a certain way that Seth you know, Rollins. Seth Rollins. You can do Seth Rollins. You, you can do Kevin Owens. You could do. I mean, uh, gosh, there's so um, uh, Ricochet. Ricochet Osprey again. Again, you think yeah. Shinsuke can wrestle the NJPW style? I don't know if he'd fit over there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he might make it work. I, I think because I mean, he's, he, he's they, they do do a little strong style, though. I don't know how well he'd adjust to that strong style of wrestling. Well, we might. One thing we would definitely see come back is the package pile driver. So, I mean, I. But. Um, Anyways, but yeah, so I think in in this case, I, I wish that they had certain guys from WWE. I think like the Usos, as much as I'll sit there and crap on them all day long, they can go in the ring. And if you put them with like the Young Bucks, um, there's something that can happen there that's magic. And I think they could really tear the house down where people are like, holy crap, they actually can wrestle. Why are they doing this crap, you know, three times a week in WWE? 
They can actually get put them on. a designated driver. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, look, yeah. you've gotten too many DUIs for you not to get that crack at this point. I, I don't know if Japan actually will let them in. I don't know what their rules are, but they're pretty strict. Like Jeff Hardy cannot go over there. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would not at this point, trust the Usos anywhere to drive just because, you know, they're stupid. But yes, you're right. right. There's a lot of talented wrestlers who could absolutely do work over here. Yeah. The last thing I, I would like to say to the, about this is that I really hope that this is incredibly successful and that they continue along these lines. Uh, you can do like all in was essentially like a super indie show, right? Like you had the in NWA title defended there. I think ring of honor title was defended there too. You know, you had a lot of, uh, cross, uh, stars essentially from a lot of different promotions. And I hope that this is successful and that AEW looks to their bag and says like, you know what? Let's have, obviously they own ring of honor. So it's going to be pretty easy to have a ring of honor title defended, but you know, you could look at NWA and be like, Hey, you know, let's look at them, see who the champion is and see if they would fit. So you have like a title match there, maybe against an AEW person or an NJPW person, maybe impact, you know, if it is worthwhile, you know, I think that that's worthwhile because worthwhile to, um, to kind of get more interest in wrestling. Now, is that the champion of impact going to really excite you? Probably not. But like you get to see somebody that maybe you're not. You're, I don't know. See. Josh Alexander is really good. Like he's is, yeah. guy, if you were going to showcase what impact can do, he's a guy that you put out on the stage like this and say, hey, watch our product. Yeah, uh, no, I totally agree. And so I I hope that this is success- successful enough that you can do this on a, uh, again, you know, later on down the road, essentially like an all in, you know, a a forbidden door pay-per-view. If you're able to do that once a year, I think that'd be great, you know, because you'd be like, I'm waiting for this because I'm going to see everybody. And this could be a destination type pay-per-view. Do you put on a survivor series style match, an AEW versus new Japan wrestling survivor series match bullet club versus others, you know? I would do Bullet Club versus the Elite. That's my Survivor Series match that I do, and and let the Jay Whites choose sides. Gorillas of Destiny might say. And honestly, I know it, it doesn't line up, but the way I end that match is the lights go out, and then I have Finn Balor, I have the Gorillas of Destiny, I have Bad Luck Fallon, I have the Good Brothers. The original Bullet Club beat the crap out of all of them, and now I've got a three-way war spanning three promotions, and that's the storyline leading out of this. I said that's that's a great way to do it, especially if that's what ended the show. Like like that's the last thing that happens, because then and then everyone and then then they all leave and then it's like holy crap what's what, what so many questions like that's how you're gonna end it and then they're gonna give them you know the the one finger because they're like we want more now and then they're gonna be like fight forever, which is also possibly AEW's new game title. Real quick, uh, does anyone know when AEW's game is supposed to come out? September. September is the rumor. This September. This September. September. All right. Which I, I thought I, I think I called that a little bit uh, when I mentioned that it should be happen around C two E two. Yep. And C two E two this year is the first weekend in August. So I am not expecting it to be released in August, but I am definitely hoping that they make the announcement of the release date there. Final question for Andy and Aaron. Since it has been six years since me and Doug dominated you for the tag team titles, 
are you two finally going to step up and actually like provide a challenge? Or are we just going to go on the longest reign of all time history? Still? Oh, let's just put it this way. We talked Night about uh, the titles vacated. <laughs> so. I don't recall. No, we voted and two people said yep. vacate and you have to have a majority on that. So <laughs> <it was 50-50. laughs> and I think actually your partner voted that they weren't vacated because you abandoned him. So it was actually three to one on this one. <laughs> Not just once, twice. Twice. Twice you abandoned him. I'm not right, going to so get in there for this. <laughs> <laughs> if you're into the Twitter, you can yeah. follow us at off the mark eight and six. I want to thank Andrew Hughes, Aaron Hughes, Doug Hahn, and Roger K for joining us as we discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. And until next time, see you in the ring. Yeah.